Hello, I'm Ashley. And I'm Gary. And welcome to episode seven of Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast. Um, and this episode, we are joined by the lovely Jen Mackey. Jen hi. Is, <laughs> hi, Jen. Jen is a production extraordinaire, theatre gal, and we actually worked together at the Playhouse. That's how we met. Um, and I love Jen, so I'm so excited to chat to her. So, um, Jen has chosen the film Jaws. So, Jen, first of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Yes, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm very, very excited. Um, so, I'm Jen, 28, from Glasgow, and basically, yeah, since I left school, all I ever wanted to do was be in the theatre creative industries world. Um, so, I went to uni um, at Glasgow Caledonian and studied media and communications there for two years. Um, I got my BA and went straight straight into the freelance world in television. So did a lot of running duties, um, X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, that kind of stuff. And then got my production credit, my first one on David Williams' Grandpa's Great Escape. And since then I've done documentaries for BBC Two, um, loads of other little stuff, delved into the script world as well. And uh, I know Ashley from the Playhouse, like she said, and that's my other love. I absolutely love theatre and I'm doing a BA at the Guildford School of Acting just now as well, getting my theatre degree in there as well. So yes, lots of things going on, but love just grand. It's <laughs> all go. I love it. Jen. It's all go. <laughs> and why did you pick Jaws for us to talk about today? Why did I pick Jaws? Well, who wouldn't pick Jaws? Come on. I mean, it's one of my favourite films but it's nostalgic to me as well because it's the first film that I properly um, analysed in, in like a critical way. Um, it was the first uh, media film that I got to properly sit down and look at and do you know what I, I just love it to this day as well. I mean it's what over 40 years old and it still freaks the hell out of me like absolutely does and I just think it's timeless. I think for, if you've seen it for the first time or the 400th time, it will still scare you and it will still get you. So it's just there's, it's just a classic for me. It's a classic in horror, drama, whatever you want to call it. It's just, it's an all-rounder, really. Amazing, absolutely. It's definitely a classic. And it's just, it's one of those films that everybody knows as well. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're a listener and you don't know what Jaws is about, here is a little synopsis for you. When a woman is killed by a shark near the tourist town of Amity Island, police chief Martin Brody wants to close the beaches, but Mayor Larry Vaughan overrules him, fearing that the loss of the tourist revenue will cripple the town. Marine zoologist Matt Hooper and Grizzled ship captain Quint offer to help Brody catch the shark and the trio engage in an epic battle of man versus nature. I feel like we should just come in now with like the Jaws theme. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I just hold myself back not to sing it. Jen, I totally get what you mean as well. When you study a film like inside out, 
how it can just make you love that film so much more. For me, when I was at college, it was Silence of the Lambs. And, Another favourite, yeah. Yeah, and I just can't look at the film in a negative light now, like, at all. It's just so good, so... Yeah, yep. absolutely, absolutely. Silence of the Lambs, another really good one as well. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get started. Ratings. Oh, let's not get started. <laughs> let's do our ratings. <laughs> <laughs> I was too eager to talk about the film. Um, it's just okay. like, get right in there. <laughs> so, let's all give our ratings out of 10. Now, for me, I'm always seem to give a low rating for films i've given it a six out of ten okay just put it out there i'm giving it a six out of ten please no hate <laughs> jen what's your rating can't believe you ashley how dare you no <laughs> i i gave it an eight out of ten um i was very tempted to go higher but i thought there was a little couple of tweaks so i'm giving it an eight Gary? Uh, i'm giving it a straight up 9.5 out of 10 there is like for the time it, it the time it was made, the characters, everything like obviously we'll get into it, but how they got round the shark not working and how they still how they still told that story. I'm sure we'll get into it all, but yeah, nine nine point five. Is that the highest rating you've given a film on the podcast? Or? No, I gave Get Out a ten. Oh, you did. You <gasps> oh, did. Yeah. yeah. Then it's up there. Yeah, it's definitely up there. <laughs> oh well. Here we go then, guys. Let's get started. <laughs> there is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. As always, we're going to go around saying our three positive points on the film and I am going to kick us off with a big one that comes all the time and that is the underwater shots looking up to those little legs swimming about. That makes it absolutely terrifying and it is that fear of the unknown which we actually did mention in our Alien 3 podcast as well. <laughs> um, the, it makes the water look scary. It, it's, it's that unknown and it's the deep, vast expanse of the water. You just don't know when that shark's coming or if that shark's coming or what else could possibly be coming and I just think those shots make it so so creepy and i'm not gonna lie every time i'm in the sea that's what i think of. that's that's I, the same as, yeah absolutely i'm uh, the same deep water i'm like nope i can't deal can't deal with it at all because you just don't know what's there and it's yeah. oh it's absolutely terrifying i completely agree with Yash. absolutely and it was i watched this film for the first time i can't remember what age i was but i rented it from blockbuster i think it was on a video um, and I watched it alone because all my friends were watching it and I was quite a scaredy <laughs> cat like when I was younger, still am a bit and it really did terrify me and the, the scenes, the um, shots of looking up to people swimming in the water are just like constantly in my head when I'm in the sea it's just that expands the depth of it and I know they did use a lot of the sort of fear of the unknown because of the mechanical 
issues with the sharks but really those scenes for me were scarier than when you did see the shark yeah and i think as well that the use of john williams soundtrack oh yeah and we open up with those underwater shots and then that is pushed to dramatic effect with john williams score right from the start so anytime you hear that music or get those underwater shots, you just put two and two together. I don't think there's any piece of music that's went just as well with a specific set of shots. Absolutely. I completely completely agree. It's just the minute you hear the first note, you know something's going to happen. You are sweating, you're prepared, and then it's just, you just don't know what's going to go on, but you know something's going to happen. It's just that tension. And it's, oh, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. But it's so brilliantly done. Absolutely. And it's that thought of where is it coming from? Because yeah. the sea is so vast and the music, oh, yeah, it just heightens that terrifying aspect of it, terrifying feel. Completely agree. Oft. I know. So, Jen, uh, what is your first positive point on the film? Oh, right. So, um, I'm very like. Um, not analytical very technical about it so I love like you said the underwater shots but there's a scene and it's it's got to be one of my favorite shots um it's the scene where um Chief Bodie's at the beach the first attacks happened and they, they sort of know he knows what's going on but the public don't know and there's this gorgeous um shot of his realization and it's a push-pull shot just when the little boy Alex Kinter is um being attacked by the shark and the camera zooms in but the, the the background zooms out and it's just it's all in one and it's a phenomenal shot and you just see with the realization of Brody's face and he's just like oh god this has happened this is real I should have done something before this what do we do now and the, the whole the, the just the one shot I think stands out to me in the whole film it's it's so beautifully done and it's so technical and I just oh I, I, I can't rave about it enough I just absolutely every time I see it I'm like that's my shot that's the favorite shot that's that's the best shot I'm going to kind of jump in my number two yeah. here because it's a follow-on from that because mine is yeah. in, in general about the cinematography but I guess it's called the vertical shot. Yes, and yeah. obviously because Hitchcock used it first in that. And I guess we should maybe explain to the listeners roughly what it is. So it's when the camera either is on a track and pulls is getting pulled backwards. And as it gets pulled backwards, the zoom is pushed inwards or yeah. vice versa. And it creates this sort of effect where the face of your character stays in focus, but the background and the foreground changes focus. And it's quite weird and trippy and surreal and it's also great because like it's a relatively new shot for its time but yeah like Spielberg doesn't overuse it he uses it that once we're done and then we, we move on um and what surrounds that shot is really great as well so we've seen the wee boy Alex go into the water on his on his lilo um and we are tense watching the film because we like Chief Brody knows there's a shark in these waters. So we're all tens, and then Brody's tens, and then we hear a girl scream, and then it ends up just being her boyfriend, like, messing about with her. So then then Brody starts to relax again, and then we start to relax, to the point where he actually gets a massage off of his wife. So it's, like, proper relaxing. There's some, like, mellow music coming out of the radio, 
And then, just like we spoke about earlier, the John Williams score comes in and then it all just goes crazy. The shark attacks, we get that vertical shot and it all just works wonderfully together as just one small segment. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I like well is the transition after, is it Chrissy? The girl at the start that gets killed? I think her name's mm-hmm. Chrissy. Yeah. And the water... It's night time and the water's then just complete still. Yes. And it, it does this cross-dissolve cross to the morning and then you're actually looking at the water from Brody's bedroom and then he yes. sits up into frame and it's just another beautiful use use of cinematography and a transition. Yeah. It's just seamless, isn't it? It's just the way yeah. it goes. It's just it's... Oh, this hectic and then it's calm and soothing and you're just like, goodness. Yeah, absolutely yeah. agree with you. And I guess that's kind of a, a metaphor for the water as well because it can seem so calm and inviting, but the minute that shark's there, it's a whole different ball game. Um, so yeah, yeah, you bit. never know what's lurking beneath. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's two two other shots I just want to quickly mention as well, and the two of them are in their own way tracking shots, and it's that first morning where. Uh, Brody's walking along the beach with the, the, the pretty much the boyfriend to yeah. Chrissy who got drunk mm-hmm. and fell asleep yeah. and didn't make it to the water. And rather than like doing lots of different types of shots to watch these characters have a conversation and walk along the beach, he uses one shot and he gets the characters to walk around the camera. So they start off in the distance and then they start walking, it's like almost along the sand dune. Yeah. And then they come down the dune towards the camera and then walk past the camera then the camera tracks with them and it's all done in one shot and I think because like film was so expensive back then it was like they didn't want to keep cutting and changing shots and obviously timing was in essence as well so it's how Spielberg actually uses a camera to keep it rolling and you don't feel like you're on the one shot because the characters are moving around the shot another um the other scene where he does something really good as well is when Brody gets on, I don't want to call it a ferry, the boat that's like a plank of wood that the yeah. car goes on. I don't <laughs> it is really, a ferry. No, it's yeah, a ferry, yeah. Yeah, it's the worst. It's like a, it's like a wooden pallet. <laughs> um, but he gets on He gets on the pallet ferry thing and um, the camera actually stays static, but because the ferry's moving, you feel like it's another tracking shot. But also just in that scene, the mayor arrives with his, basically his henchmen and they do something really special here. They trap Brody in a corner and he's in like beige and the other passengers on the ferry are also in beige and these businessmen come in dressed in blue and trap him in one corner and you see the other passengers at the other side mingling in their own wee part and it just shows you how much of an outcast he is to these vultures yeah. around him. Uh, I can't take all the credit for that because I... I read up on that a wee bit, but it's still <laughs> really nice. Definitely. I'm ashamed to admit that I've never noticed that before, so that's, that's a good one for me. Yeah, I'll be using that in and, future. <laughs> um, if you go back and watch, like, before uh, the mayor comes on, everyone is in beige trousers, and then he comes on with the car, the fancy car, and uh-huh. gets out, and they're all in their suits, and it's like blues and greys. So, and he's got anchors on his suits as well. Yeah, I and I don't know. a little white anchor. Yeah, and I don't know if there's something else to be said there about um, that Brody's in like almost beige colours, which is like sand and earth and ground. 
Yeah. And and the water's danger to him. And these men come dressed in blues and greys, which is kind of like water-based colours yeah. as well. And yeah. the sharks in the water, these guys are vultures. There's probably something in there as well. Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, and this goes... Um, it actually kind of goes into my next point because I guess this is just before that shot that you were talking about, Jen. Um, the scene where all the... Brody has is going down to the beach and all the townspeople are like coming at him with all these stupid little uh, questions and gripes and everything that they need dealing with that they think is a huge deal for them in this small little island and he's just got that tunnel vision and the stress of that scene like I got stressed watching that scene because you could just feel it he had tunnel vision going towards the beach going for the shark that's all he was thinking about but all at him it was like birds pecking at the side of his head almost with all the little gripes that they were coming at and then it sort of the business of every single location reinforced the stress there was always so much going on and so much going on and obviously it's coming up to the fourth of july they're all um you know preparing for that and then when he gets to the beach there's this heightened awareness and it's i think that's when that shot comes actually and you can just see in his head he is focusing on like where is a shark what can I do yeah oh my god help me and the sound design here is so clever like when that scream happens and you think someone's been killed by a shark yeah there's also so many gasps in that point where that are just really emphasized and it just makes you go in your head shark 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 and you know that's what he's thinking he's so on edge and I just feel like even um like talking about it I'm getting like all worked up up. (laughs) it was so the stress that came across in that that um scene or sort of sequence was perfectly done and really Brody didn't really do much with his face or not with his face but like it wasn't overplayed and he could have very easily got stressed and uh, very very externally but he really internalised it and I think that worked perfectly with what was going on around him and the busyness of it. But his sort of... It kept calm not to worry everyone, but it was that tunnel vision and you could see his worry inside. So, yeah, that's my second point, that shot. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, loved it. Jen? Yes. My second one, um, so I've kind of taken it, not scene by scene, but um, so I call it the chumming scene, basically. It's it's where the famous line happens, but that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making, <laughs> we all know the line, I will say it, but um, it, the scene is, it's I find it's iconic because it's an iconic scare here. So it's the, it's the it's not the first time you see the shark, but it's the first full on time you see it. And you don't expect it to happen because there's no music led up to it. There's no famous John Williams score or anything. The camera is focused on Brody and he's in he's on the boat, on Quint's boat, in the middle of the ocean, chumming the, the bait into the water. And the, the camera angle is basically, mostly it's on Brody and you see a little bit of the sea behind him where he's chucking the bait. And all of a sudden, the shark comes up and he just gets the fright of his life and just goes completely still and is like and then he says we're gonna need a bigger boat and that that is I think that is one of the best scares in the film you don't expect it there's no lead up to it 
but you're still a bit edgy but there's there's no warning for you and it just comes out of nowhere and then obviously that famous improvised line by Rob Schneider is, is obviously the best as well we're gonna need a bigger boat um, so yeah that's that's my second positive point I think that's it's the scene just plays lovely and it's it gives you a jump scare but you don't expect the jump scare and I, I just like it. it's very um what's the word uh, very authentic it's very authentic in the way it happens so yeah that's my second point yeah, absolutely and I think as well because they've set it up for us with those underwater shots and the whole da -na -na -na, yeah. you know the, you know the one um, what was that? <laughs> that was just a little um, a little song from me um, so the music and the underwater shots that's what you expect when the shark comes and because it doesn't happen you're right it scares us more and I think we needed to be set up for that, to be more scared at that scene. So yeah, I totally agree with you, Jen. That's yeah. very scary bit. <laughs> and just talking about um, about the, the scares in it, it's funny how I think it's the only film that is looked at as both a horror film and a blockbuster. Like, you know, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. I guess Alien and stuff like that that we spoke about earlier is, but this was like the true summer blockbuster and you don't expect horror films to come out in the summertime. They're yeah. usually like Halloween, October, well, or they go to the cinema in January to die, mm -hmm. where they used to. That's a, it's an interesting point, actually, because when I was reading up on it, it, this film was not originally supposed to be out in the summer. It was um, destined to be sort of Halloween, christmas -esque, but the shots and the shooting took so long that and then editing that it had to come out in the summer because that's when it was ready. Yeah, so it was yeah. never intentionally meant to be a summer blockbuster, but it is the first summer blockbuster because genuinely people never went to the theatre in the yeah. summertime because of the weather. And I, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I've not got my numbers exact here, but I think the the original budget was like $4.5 and they ended up spending $9 million. So <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was looking like a disaster, but then it, I think to this day or something, it's made $190 million. Wow. So yeah. it could have ruined his career, really, because... Absolutely, it was a massive yeah. gamble. Yeah, absolutely agree. Massive, massive gamble. So my uh, second point, I need to take a deep breath here. It's a long one, so <laughs> I apologise. So feel free to jump in at any point, but it's just all about the characters. And I love how different our three main characters are. Like our three heroes, Quint, Hooper, and Brody. Quint is old school, tough, and intimidating. And then you've got Hooper, who is like the friendliest and most polite person. Like he's willing to help as soon as he as soon as he lands on the island. He tries to help the fishermen and the locals. Um, he's also... yeah, I, mean, I, I will jump in for two seconds because yeah. this is my this is my third point as well. Is that Hooper Hooper's character is one of the best characters in this film. Um, and the, the bit you were saying there when he jumps off the boat and tries to help the fisherman, one of the best lines he says when he's trying to help them and he turns to the camera and just goes like, <laughs> you're all going to die. Yeah, And he yeah, just walks it. towards... That, my third point is Hooper's character. So I'll let you continue. Yeah, we can... We can and, <laughs> um, I won't say too much on Hooper then so you can go back onto it, but he's like... He's like so geeky and intelligent and obviously rich. And if you take the rich man compared to Quint, who is almost the poor fisherman, 
Uh, oh, and also Hooper is like a total hipster before it was even cool to be a hipster. Yeah, <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and then you've got Brody as like the cop, almost living the American dream. Uh, but he's also the person we're supposed to relate to. He's like the everyman. He's pretty much, and no pun intended, but he's the fish out of water, like so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, he just he doesn't belong on the island, but he also doesn't belong in the sea. So he just, yeah, he's, he's just great. But all the characters are complete contrast to each other, and that's what makes them like a team. So it's like Quint's hate of sharks and Hooper's love of sharks that brings them together. Um, and Brody needs both Quint and Hooper as they are more knowledgeable about the situation than he is, but then also they're really unreliable. Like, you know, Quint's like this loose cannon. Uh, He destroys the radio. He basically burns out the boat. And then you've got Hooper, who's more interested in getting a photo of the shark uh, and getting Brody out there to get the scale. Yeah. Um, So they're they're really um, unreliable. Uh, What else was I going to say? Yeah, and when when they are out at sea, it's almost this machoism. You've got the famous scene where the beer can, and he drinks the mm-hmm. beer and crushes it, and then you've got Hooper with his wee paper cup, and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. But they're like a couple of bickering, moaning kids. Um, and until, as Jen said, that famous line, you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. And then they kind of like assemble together almost like superheroes out of like a Marvel film, like the band together. <laughs> the, and then John Williams' uh, score comes in, but it's more like upbeat and joyful, and it's all exciting, and they're chasing the fish down, or the shark, and they actually finally stand a chance of like beating this thing if they, they work together. Yeah. Um, there's just a few other things. I'm really sorry I'm harping on, and we'll cut most no, of it down in the no. edit. <laughs> um, Carry on, this is great. <laughs> I also love how they introduced Brody as the new man in town, the new sheriff in town, without saying, oh, you're new to town, you don't understand our ways. So there's a few ways. Like The first line he delivers in this film is he asks his wife, how come the sun never used to shine in the window? And her response is, we bought the house in the fall. And those two lines, we realise he's been there less than a year without them actually saying, you've been here less than a year. Um... And then they're obviously trying to work out the phrases of how things are pronounced in Amity, like Yad and Ka. That's <laughs> the best acting I am going to try and do. Yeah. <laughs> um, excellent, excellent. Thank you. And then he, as you said, he goes to work and the townsfolk have got these petty problems yeah. compared to his huge problem of the shark. And again, that shows that He's got this easy life in Amity, and he's basically not prepared for this dread that's that's uh, that's coming. And can we just quickly talk about Quint's entrance to the film? Oh yes, please do. Like, <laughs> they're they're all in the town hall debating about closing the beaches and things mm-hmm. like that, and then you just hear the screech oh, down the chalkboard. It, yeah. uh, it makes me curl. I was like, oh. But it's it's one of the most memorable, uh, like entrances of Endy in a film and it's just great because he screeches the chalkboard and then he just smacks him with his thoughts on how to deal with this situation and then he leaves and like he may as well have had like a mic drop yeah <laughs> you know he's like boom <laughs> um, 
And one more quick scene that I absolutely love. It's my favourite scene in the whole film, but it's to do with character, and that's why I'm tossing in this point, is the dinner scene. After they've caught um, after they've caught the tiger shark and Brody's been slapped by Alex's mum, he's just sitting with his, uh, his son, and his son's imitating all his facial expressions and movements, and it's this surreal, quiet moment and it's this small bond between them. And I think it's great because after everything Chief Brody's been through, he can just forget it all for these few minutes mm-hmm. and be with his son until there's a knock at the door and it's Hooper. And basically, yeah. with with Hooper, all his troubles just flood back in. Yeah. And it's after that scene that he actually takes action, though. He, like After having that wee moment with his son and being slapped by <laughs> Alex's mum... It, that's when he takes action and goes and cuts open the shark and then goes out to the boat. It's quite on the nose, but people say all you need is a good slap sometimes. And literally, as a good slap that then <laughs> gets him on his way to stopping well, this problem. I mean, absolutely. I mean, because the Kentner boy is probably ages with his young son. So that could have been his son in the water. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, I think it's that realisation and then the tender moment. And then absolutely, like you said, take action, cut the shark open. We need to see what we've got here. No, absolutely agree. Because his his boys love going in the water. Is there not a scene later where... um, his wife and stuff is watching the, the boys in the water and stuff? And I thought it was really interesting as well how I think it's just the youngest son has no teeth like all his teeth have fallen out and I thought that was really nice because basically what they're scared of and terrified of is the sharks very sharp teeth and this boy is so sweet and innocent and he has no teeth and he could be out in the water so this is who Brody's doing it for as well because as you said, Jen, it could have been his son out in the water. Absolutely, so I just thought yeah. that was a really nice little nod um, to like his son's innocence compared to the shark. <laughs> also, a wee fun fact in there is that the boy who played Brody's youngest son was actually... Uh, he actually lived on the island where they filmed it. So he was a local oh, in, real, oh. in real life. So... And he still stays there to this day. His house yeah. is there. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Oh, you must get reminded of it all the time, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turns his house into a museum. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Just standing, like, signing autographs at his window. <laughs> I wonder if he's got teeth yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, so, whose point are we on? Yes. My third point. Yeah, we're racing through them today. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Um, so actually, mine is about a character as well. It's Quint and his stillness through everything. Just there's so many scenes um, where he is just completely still. He's calm. He's collected. He knows what he's doing. He trusts himself. And even if everything is going wrong, he's still so calm and collected. And it's when he first we first sort of see it. Well, we, we see it in his entrance, actually, when he's just chilling there on his chair. But when they're in the boat and the fishing rod, rod starts tugging. Oh, yeah. And he just sits there. He doesn't um, he doesn't mention anything to anyone. His eyes just start looking at the rope. There's silence. doesn't mention anything. He focuses. He clips himself in. Just so calm and collected without alerting any of the other two. I mean, he probably knows that they can't help him at all, but... 
<laughs> he just doesn't worry them because you know if you mention it to Hooper, camera's going to come out. It's going to be all up in the air. Chief Brody's going to be a nervous wreck. But yeah, he just stays so calm and collected. And then it happens again when the shark's been about a lot. They've tied the um, the kegs to the shark and stuff. And then Quint's at the end of the plank looking back and it's just the sun is setting. It's such a menacing shot, but he just stays there at the end of the plank looking back at them. The sky changes and then his eyes. So what he does with his eyes, I don't know how he does it. It's so menacing. That's terrifying in itself. Maybe a little bit more terrifying than the shark even. Um, and he's just like perfectly framed in the middle of this um, plank with the sky around him, completely still, and it's so menacing. Um, and then also when the shark comes again at night um, and starts sort of tearing up the boat and the fire starts and he just says, put that fire out, won't you? And yeah, it's so calm. Like, oh my God, there's a fire! <laughs> um, yeah, but- there's, there's no fear. And his yeah. voice or in his facial expressions uh-huh. and it is it's just calm and collective. They are literally being attacked by a shark who's already killed what four other people and then a fire starts on the boat and he's just like, put the fire out, let's get to it. And there's just it doesn't phase him and I thought that was really beautifully acted from a character that could have been so over the top because in some of some of the things he does it's really really quite I don't know what you would say it is erratic yeah erratic mm-hmm. but then he has this stillness and I love the the balance of that see that shot as well with the the wire getting pulled mm-hmm. the fishing wire I feel like that's now classic Spielberg where something happens subtly and the other character or sees it so for instance Jurassic Park it's the cup of water and the car and you know the T-Rex is close by the vibration because, yeah. yeah ripple in the water of course and then the same thing happens again in Jurassic Park when Jeff Goldblum who we all love uh, is injured but he's been put in the back of the car and the T-Rex footprint mm-hmm. is there and it's muddy and it's like a puddle in the imprint yeah. and again the footsteps you hear in the distance, but the ground is shaking. And it's the same, you've just got that character spotting it, staying very silent and wondering what's going to happen. Yeah, it's that sense of them knowing something that the other characters don't know. And obviously, us as watchers, we know. Watchers? Mm. Yeah. Audience members. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a gr- it's a great tension builder, absolutely. Yeah. Spielberg does that so well. He just he heightens the tension just with one simple, simple movement. And it's he he is just he's fantastic when he does it absolutely so Jen what is your final positive point yeah well kind of falling on from both of you from characters my third point is basically just Hooper as a character himself I mean I feel he's he's obviously a scientist so he's very smart he's very educated person um but he's not stuck up at all which usually stereotypically you would get um you know smart person high IQ you know studied into science you would you would think you know very toppy nose stuck up but he's he's very casual he is very down to earth like Gary said with you know his like hipster-esque clothing before it was cool um but I feel he gives like 
almost a comic relief to the film without really meaning to. Um, his his, his one-liners, his quirks, his little his little tones and nods to the camera. It, it, like honestly, like the, the scene with the cups when he crushes the paper cup. I mean that that honestly makes me giggle every single time. And I think I think if the film didn't have Hooper, um, obviously they would need a science expert. But if they didn't have Hooper as the character himself, like with the quirks, I don't think. I don't think the film would be as well as perceived. That's maybe a really bold statement, but I think you need that light relief in a film like this. You need that character to be like, it's going to be okay. We can still laugh about this. Okay, there's a shark killing people, but let's make it a little bit funny as well. Yeah, and I think the fact that Hooper doesn't die in the shark cage when yes. he very well could have. <laughs> Is, is what it needed as well. You needed Absolutely. that little bond at the end. Yeah, Yeah, you think he's going to go and you think he's gone and it's just Brody left right at the end and then Hooper pops up out the water and you get afraid because you think, crap, his shark back. But no, it's just Hooper. Yeah, and I think that that's a great way. It's it's not a, it's a happy-ish ending. You know, obviously we've lost Quint, but, you know, Hooper and Brody are still there and... You know, it's just them pedalling off into the distance on a on a bit of a debris. Um, yeah, I think that's a perfect end, and and yeah, I I I just feel that Hooper is for me one of the one of the best things. Um, a few things on Hooper just after what you said there. One is when Hooper goes into the shark cage, he was actually meant to die in that scene, and they filmed using a real shark. And there's a shot, if you go back and watch it, there's a shot where the shark, the real shark, is caught in the cage and it's thrashing about and it's going Uh absolutely nuts because it can't get out. But Hooper wasn't in the cage and they really wanted to use that footage. So then they refilmed parts where they let Hooper get out of the cage just so they can use those shots of the shark. So if it wasn't for that poor wee shark getting caught in the cage, (laughs) Hooper would be dead. Um, Thanks to the shark, Hooper is alive. (laughs) Yes. And I love the scenes where Quint is barking orders at him and he, he's got that comical bit. He's like, aye, aye, Captain, I don't know how much yeah. of this abuse I can take and, yes. and things like that. And he's pulling the faces behind his back and sticking his tongue out at him. It's, it's really good and it is that light relief. Have any of you uh, read the book? No, I've not read the book. A long, long time ago. I think I I read parts of it for media studies, but I don't think I've actually read the whole thing. Yeah, so again, just when you're saying about Hooper having that light relief, um the characters Quint, Hooper and Brody, their and Brody's wife are all extremely unlikable in the book. All of them, like Brody's a drunk that's just not really paying attention to his wife. Hooper sleeps with Brody's wife. Quint is just the same, basically. Um, and I guess when making this, they must have realised that watching these characters is going to be so depressing. Mm-hmm. Never mind putting a killer shark in there as well, just <laughs> yeah. these characters in general. And I think that's where they made uh, Brody much more appealing and relatable and gave Hooper the, the comedy aspect as well. And yeah, it just works. Like They, they just kind of work off each other and bounce off each other as characters to watch and love. Yeah, they create that balance as well. You know, Quint can can fly off the wall and be quite eccentric or still. Hooper's got that comedy and 
I feel like Brody is our genuine guy who we're just all behind and we just want everything to be good for him. We just want him to get back to his normal, easier life. Um, and they all complement each other really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. I think this film, um, I think if what you were saying, Gary, about the characters being unlikable in the novel, like, you know, every kind of Hollywood blockbuster film does need a hero. So I think if this one hadn't had, like, a, a very likable character, then, again, it would not have done as well as it has done um, in the in the box office. So, But absolutely, it's um, Brody's got the sensible... Um, chief head on but still frightened yeah Hooper knowledgeable scientist very passionate and Quint you know this this guy who's seen it all he's been through a war and he, he knows what to do and he just wants to get it done they, I, I completely agree with you Ashley they all extremely complement each other very very well and um, yeah it's, it's it's kind of like a, a three-way marriage made in heaven really yeah yeah so Gary to your Third yeah. Point. So my third point is just on some of the speeches and monologues and how they actually help each other out. And that sounds really weird, but I'll explain it later in a second. Um, so Hooper, when he comes over just after Brody's had dinner, and it's actually really funny. He comes over and he's like, "Is anyone eating that?" You know, oh, yeah. he steals his food. Yeah. Um, so. Um, and then Brody's wife asks how how he got into sharks, and he gives this speech about how this baby fresher shark attacked his boat when he was a lot younger, and he started to eat the propeller or something, and he had to swim to shore, and he just seen his boat getting taken under. But as he's telling this, it's really light hearted, and he's joke he's joking about it, and um. Ellen Brody is like laughing away and it's all very humorous and I think that's done for a reason because by making Hooper's love of sharks and his stories more fun it takes almost a bit of fear out of the shark yeah so is that when Quint later on comes in with his epic monologue about the USS Indianapolis mm -hmm literally you fear the sharks so by making one speech really uh, I don't know just fun and then, yeah. yeah and making this one eerie intense it makes that one so much more stronger because we've already heard past stories about sharks that were like yeah all right this one is a grim horror story and obviously Quint's uh, performance obviously just amplifies that so much more and I think you can tell a really good actor when they're telling a story on screen and you stop watching them tell the story and you start picturing the story that they're telling in your head. Absolutely. So you, you picture the torpedo hitting the side of the submarine. You picture these men in the water and the sharks coming. And I think it'd be really interesting if somebody took that story and made a shark film on it now. Yeah. You know, so... A little spin-off. Yeah, but... Yeah, so just how these two almost monologues coincide and almost better each other than that way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's mine. Yeah. Has anyone got any little nitpicks or things they didn't like about the film? Oh, I definitely have one. <laughs> and no, no matter how much I love this film, um, it's it's a scene, it's, it's, I think it's a complete scene. Um, it was basically done 
after the film had wrapped. After shooting had finished, everyone had gone home and Spielberg wanted one more scare in that film. He said, one more scare, I think it needs. And it's, it's the scene with Ben Gardner's boat where Brody and Hooper are out and they're searching for the, the sunken boat and then Hooper gets the, the scare of the severed head coming out of the boat where he finds the shark tooth as well. Um, now, great scene, great great jump scare scene. Um, it's, it definitely freaks the heck out of me. Uh, but what, what gets me is when they're talking to the mayor about them finding the tooth and uh, the scene next to it, they, they never mention the head. They don't mention the decapitated head at all to the mayor. Yeah. It's like, we found this shark tooth, but I dropped it because I had an accident. Oh, no, but a blooming severed head jumped out of the boat at me. That's never mentioned at all. So, a little bit... I, I don't think the head's severed, is it? I think it's the full I think it's, it's a full corpse. It's a yeah. full corpse. I mean, you only see the head. I mean, you're still right. You would still tell the mayor, um, you should see the state of this corpse that I have just found. Close the beaches. Yeah, exactly. I can never tell if it was just a head or because you only see the head, but there probably yeah. is the whole body down there. But yeah, it's never mentioned at all. Obviously, continuity error because obviously Spielberg did it um, after the whole film had wrapped. Uh, but yeah, I just it's, it just doesn't make much sense to me. And it's probably because I knew it was made um, after the film that it doesn't really... It's not linear with the film, I don't think, but that's that's just me in my head. I mean, it probably works for other people, but yeah, it's just a little gripe that I've had with it. <laughs> um, I do love that scene with the mayor, though, and Hooper says something along the lines of, I think you're not going to deal with this problem until it swims up and bites you in the bites ass. Bites you in the ass. <laughs> great, great line. Fantastically. Yeah. yeah. My biggest sort of gripe was... The, the mechanical sharks I just oh uh, Ashley you know what? like <laughs> they weren't they weren't scaring me and I just feel like it it kind of breaks the the tension a little bit now I think maybe watching it when it was made it would be slightly different but I think now with with what you know it could look like um yeah. I, I still think it kind of holds up like to this day, like obviously it could look a lot better, but I don't know. I still I love seeing it. I, I don't know if it's nostalgia or but when when it's just there, I'm like, oh, it's great. Um, but I know it's the bit where it actually leaps onto the boat. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, the <laughs> that main one. The, it's the weakest bit. Yeah, I, I completely get it. But I, I I agree with you, Gary. It's just when you see that shark, it's not CGI. It's not special effects. It's a bloody big robot shark. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. Obviously, they didn't have like massive special effects um, or even a budget for it if it was available back in 1975. But do you know what? I think for, for the budget they had and the... The three mechanical sharks they did use, um, I think were absolutely phenomenal, and I think they still scare me. If you look at Jaws two or Jaws three or Jaws four, the Revenge, <laughs> um, or any any other shark film after Jaws, I mean Jaws four, the Revenge, the shark is actually atrocious. Really? <laughs> uh, it is. Oh, Ashley, you need to watch it just for the blooming shark. Michael Caine's in it. Michael nice. Caine. <laughs> and so Michael Caine read the script and looked at it as a holiday to go film in the Bahamas. 
he, yeah, he treated it as a little a little getaway <laughs> holiday for himself. He's still great in it. He still is, but yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> the, fil- the film, not so much. No, but, um, no, would not recommend. But you know, if you're watching the first one, you might as well go on to watch all. So maybe yeah. I've been a little bit harsh on the original Jaws. If I, <laughs> I know what's to come. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've got a few wee notes, and one nitpick of mine is the what I like to call it the Sunday roast scene where the two men take out the big ham joint on a meat hook and throw it in the water. The the shark comes and tries to rip away the meat joint and takes the whole pier with them. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the scene. It's no. if, if I put on Jaws late at night, it's the scene that I fall asleep at. Because I think it's actually because we don't really know who these two characters are. We've no investment in them at all. So when the shark's coming towards them, I think it's film great using... The, the part of the pier that's broke off as the shark coming towards them. Mm-hmm. All that's great, but I just don't care about these two characters yeah. at all. And maybe all we needed was a wee scene before it to introduce them, you know? So is it then when we see them again, we're like, okay, we've already been introduced to these two people. Mm-hmm. And then you've maybe invest your time in a wee bit more because you care more about Chrissy at the start because yeah. she has that wee moment yeah. with the boyfriend. That's all you <laughs> needed. A wee smile and they're like, oh, they're nice and cute. And yeah. she gets taken away. Yeah. But these two men, I'm just like, I just kill them. Yeah. Um, another scene that I do love is when they catch the tiger shark. And <clears throat> that's on its it's on the crane. Mm-hmm. And Quint just goes past in his boat and he's got this smile on his face. And it's almost like, Well done, lads. Well done. But he knows it's not the right shark, but it's almost like, Well done in catching something. Yeah. You know, but he's <laughs> yeah. he kind of just takes off his hat, smiles, and then just kind of goes on his way again and it, it's just, again, it's just a look. One look he gives to the camera and he says so much. But on that same uh, same scene, I don't know why this this one word or two words, but it gets me so many times. I think I know what you're going to say. Yep. I'll, I'll be quiet, but I think I know what you're going to yep. say. So one of the one of the fishermen is like, what is it? What kind? What kind? And Hooper goes, a tiger shark. And the guy turns around to camera and just goes, a what? And it's the weirdest squeaky voice ever, and it's it's just it's, fantastic. It's brilliant. It's just a what? I don't. I, yeah, I completely agree. It's just it's so bizarre the way he says it, and it's just. <laughs> just a wee note that it was salt water that eroded the robot shark. Oh. Mhm. And the mayor is obviously the baddie in this film. It's not the shark. The mayor is right. And for the first time watching, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this and I'm probably going to get hate mail through through the emails here, but I actually sympathised slightly with the mayor watching it this time. And here's why. I've just watched this film during a global pandemic and yeah. he wants to keep the shops open, the beaches open. Sorry, he wants to keep the beaches open to keep a revenue going. And now we're in this pandemic where there's this whole debate about keeping stuff open for people's well-beings. But if you keep stuff open, people are going to die. And it's a very similar circumstance. I, I completely agree. Like, you know, he's not doing the right thing, obviously, because, you know, there's been deaths and it could have been prevented. But Are you talking about keep... the pandemic? Are you talking about the <laughs> <laughs> talking, talking about the film but yes it can be related to the pandemic but yeah he is trying to do what's right for the for the community he's trying to keep 
keep it going basically but um but yeah other circumstances he, he just needed to kind of think okay what's what's for the best for the people but I guess he thinks that is best for the people to keep dialing going to keep their, their yeah. jobs open and things so yeah I completely agree yeah you can sympathize with the character but yeah again he can be a bit of an idiot as well yeah he's, yeah. he, he's, he's still an asshole yeah he's still <laughs> <laughs> my last wee point was um actually one of the main scenes that I remember from my first viewing when I was very young, um, the Lilo bit. When Alex is on the Lilo and the shark gets the Lilo, oh, it just freaks me out. Just totally freaks me out. And it was very well done, but I kind of wish it wasn't there because I, I just don't want to picture that. But that's another one when I'm in the scene. Absolutely. I was surprised that this film was a PG. Mm-hmm. Like when it was released, it was, it, I think it still is a PG. And that scene that you're talking about, Ashley, where, where the boy gets, it's brutal. The amount of blood and the thrashing and the boy like getting jerked about, oh my goodness, it is, it is actually, it was really appalling when you look at it and it's like, this is a PG, this is crazy. So any other notes or are we? Uh, I think two kind of cool little facts about it actually, um, just, just little fun things. Um, when they were when they were shooting, uh, the clapperboard that they use for if you don't know what a clapperboard is, it's uh, what they do to mark a scene. Uh, they replaced the the edge with little um, shark teeth, so that they, they made shark teeth to clapper it down each time this, they were clapping a new scene. And I thought that I thought it was brilliant. I just like it's a little bit of movie trivia for you if you're in a pub quiz. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's quite cool actually. Love um, I did. Ha- I did have a second one. Oh yeah, you said that the mechanical shark was was named Bruce. Uh, did Did you know that it was named after Spielberg's lawyer, Bruce Raymer? I did not know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they, they named him after um, his lawyer. I don't know why. I don't know because his lawyer's like a shark. But <laughs> and uh, the crew had a nickname for it as well. They called it a uh, that son of a bitch and bastard rig. <laughs> <laughs> Any time that they had to rig it up, they're like, oh, for goodness sake. Well, I think we shall take a little break and then come back and see if any of our ratings have changed. You are familiar with our problems. Uh, I think that I am familiar with the fact that you are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the ass. Now, wait a second, wait a second. Dave. There are two ways to deal with this problem. Hey, you're either going to kill this animal or you're going to cut off its food supply. Larry, we have to close the beaches. Brody, sick vandalism. That is a deliberate mutilation of a public service message. Now, I want those little paint-happy bastards caught and hung up by their Buster Browns. That's it. Goodbye. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with a man who's lining up to be a hot lunch. I'm going to see you later. Please don't do this. He's not... Mr. Vaughn, what we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. It's really a miracle of evolution. All this machine does is swim and eat and make little sharks. And that's all. Now, why don't you take a long, close look at this sign? Those proportions are correct. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. <laughs> okay, so I would love to know has anyone's ratings of the film changed? Gary, we'll start with you. I'd give it a 9.5, didn't I? 
I can't even remember what I gave it. <laughs> I can't remember what you no, gave I think you did. Yeah, yeah no, I think, I think it was you gave it an eight point five. Yeah. I will. No, I'm sticking. Sorry, that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> I'm sticking to a nine point five. Yes. Nine point five. Um, I I gave it an eight. I'm going to go up to a nine. I am. I was I was a bit hesitant at first. I was like, should I? But no, I'm going up to a nine because you both made really good points that I I hadn't thought about as well, and it just makes yeah, it just makes me love it even more. And I'm also going to go up, but I'm going to go up to six point five, just a little half mark. Jeez, so <laughs> like I feel like Quint's monologue alone is just like a nine, and I gave absolutely, a point, and I gave a point five for the rest of the film. <laughs> just Quint himself in the boat with a monologue. Nine. It's an average of all the good and bad bits for me. Not bad. Okay. Just not. I would say that like Quint's monologue is my favourite monologue and film of all time. Wow. wow. Yes. That's that a statement. What's your favourite monologues? I mean, first it comes to my, what, I, train spotting, I guess. Is it a monologue? Is it, well, it sort of is, it sort of isn't. Yeah. You know, the opening kind of, I know it's like more of a, um, a voiceover, but I guess it is written talking to himself. Yeah, I would call that a monologue, absolutely. Yeah, I would say that was a monologue. That, that springs to mind. Is it my complete favourite? I don't know, I'd have to have a think, because uh, I'm sure there's a lot more out there that I, I absolutely adore. Although, can you imagine if like a casting director asked you to prepare a monologue and send it in, and you went in with, choose life as your monologue? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold statement. It's yeah. bold statement. Uh, it is. Okay, so on to our quick fire questions round. Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> okay, Gary, do you want to go first? Yes, sure. What film named their shark Bruce to homage Jaws? Oh, 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 was it Finding Nemo? Yes. Where was the film shot? Oh, goodness me, because it was moved. Ah! This is maybe quick fire and I can't remember. Oh, is it not like, it's not, it's not. It's called Martha's Vineyard. Right, thank you. It's in America somewhere. Um, <laughs> how many people fall victim to the shark, i.e. get killed? Oh, okay, so there, there's debate about this. Um, I think it's four, but I think if give or take if you count the dog and things like that. Well, I'm going with five, not including the yeah. dog. Not right. including the dog, so not including the dog. Yeah. I wait till we get the, I wait till we get to the end of the quiz before I say them. <laughs> um, how many Jaws films are there? Is this a trick question? I think no. It's an it's an easy question. Oh, okay, four then. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the name of Quint's boat? Uh the Orca. Yes. What is the <laughs> island called where the action takes place? Amity Island. Who does the boat wreck belong to that they pull the tooth out of? Ben Gardner. Yes. How much does Quint ask for to kill the shark? Oh, is it not 10,000? Yes. Yeah. As Quint's boat leaves the port, we see it through the frame of what prop? Oh, I don't know. Is it a fish hook? I have no idea. It is a set of shark jaws. Oh, of course it is. Oh. And lastly, which character says that's some bad hat, Harry? Oh, it's Chief Brody, isn't it? 
Yes, well yeah. done, Jen. <laughs> very, very good. So the people that fall victim to the shark are Chrissy at the start, the boy Alex, yep. Ben Gardner, Quint, and the person that tries to help Brody's son in the pond. It's, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh-huh. of course, of course. Yes, that is the quiz. Well done, Jen. Okay, so now we can round up our show. We're all going to tell you our fun fact of the day. So my fun fact of the day is that four times more people speak English as a second language than as a native one, which I think is crazy. Like, this just makes me think, why don't I have a second language that I'm fluent in? That is something I should do. I've said it on the podcast now, so here we go. I don't know whether to go with a, a shark-related one or a, just a random one. So I think I think I'll go for the random one. Yeah, go for it. Um, uh, so 29th of May is officially put a pillow on your fridge day. What? Yeah, so this it's a strange holiday, right, that spans back to the early 1900s where families would put a piece of cloth in their larders. Um, it's celebrated through the USA and Europe and it brings luck and wealth to the household. So yeah, on May 29th, put a pillow on your fridge. It has to be a very small pillow for me. <laughs> well, I've actually... Don't put it. <laughs> my question there is, I've got a beer fridge that sits on top of my fridge, so do I need to get two pillows, or do I put the pillow on top of both, or do I have to put a pillow on top of my fridge and then put the beer fridge on top of the pillow? <sighs> oh, it's too big, that's the... No. Oh, you know? Nah. <laughs> Skip the celebration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... So I forgot to get a fun fact. So I have just giggled one right there for you. Um, before sleeping, 93% of your mind begins to imagine stuff that you would like to happen. That's so nice. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, Amazing. Yeah. Um, so now we are going to recommend our short films of the episodes. Um, so I'll start off and... The short film I'm recommending is called Float. Um, it's available on iPlayer at the moment, actually, as part of the drama shorts. I think it's actually the only episode still up there. Um, and it's directed by Arabella Page Croft. It's a dark comedy drama set in a a sports hall. Um, a sports hall? A sports centre, um, mainly the swimming pool. Um, and it's about the people that have come back there for the summer. Uh, they're working there. There's a lot of... Um, they're all going through their own things and there's a kind of a theme of mental health uh, issues as well in there which are really nicely dealt with too um, and are nicely explored I would say and yeah it's a really a great film that's available on iPlayer just now so go watch that. Jen can you recommend short yes um i i recently watched um, educated which was uh, on bbc iplayer as well part of the um, bbc series the next big thing uh, that you pointed me to ashley um i watched this the other day and it's, it's about the relationship a, a pupil um at boarding school has with um a teacher but not in the way you might ex- expect uh yeah it's you would think it would go one way but it sort of kind of goes another and kind of leaves you thinking and kind of hanging on on what potentially could happen and uh, I, I was actually really taken aback by it and I was like oh oh I want there to be more so I, I would highly recommend giving it a little watch and um, it's very very interesting 
Cool. So my short film is on YouTube and it's called Rivals. Uh, it's a Swedish short film. It's got little to no dialogue in it. So yeah, it's kind of sci-fi, all guns and action and it's only three minutes long. So again, I'm not going to go into too much detail. It's just a fun wee film, lots of cool uh, effects and that in there if that's your thing. So yeah, Rivals on YouTube check it out. Nice. So Jen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking all things Jaws with us. Um, Can you let our listeners know where they can find you and stay up to date with you? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Jennifer Mackie X, uh, Twitter, which is just Jen Mackie, and Facebook as well. But um, yeah, due to COVID and everything, don't know when I'll next be production um esque. But we'll we'll wait and see. But yeah, you can follow me on all those platforms, and and I'm there. Lovely. Definitely check Jen out on social media. And I'm Ashley Sutherland. You can find me at at Ashley Sutherland on Instagram or at Ash Sutherland 4 on Twitter. And I'm Gary and you can still find me at Hugh G Pro and if you really want to, I'm somewhere on Facebook as well. (laughs) And of course, keep up to date with all things Choose Film Podcast at Choose Film Podcast on Instagram, at Film Choose on Twitter and of course, as always, email us in your comments, questions, reviews, recommendations, at choosefilmpodcast at hotmail.com we'd love it if you could share and subscribe uh, to the podcast and if you are loving the podcast then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, I have said podcast so many times (laughs) but yeah it would mean the world to us if you could review us as well if you're liking what you're hearing and definitely get in touch with us, you've been listening to Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, bye This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.